This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 29, recorded November 3rd, 2010. The Life and Times of a Catholic Priest. Welcome to Prayer Room Companion. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm the other of your hosts, hosts Father Andrew Dickinson. And we are coming to you from, well, sunny Sioux Falls, South Dakota on my part. Is it sunny up there, Father? Sunny and uh, breezy up here in Brookings. Yep. So uh, we're definitely into fall here. We're, we're into November, but um, the sun still still shines on South Dakota. That it does. In fact, we're even looking at a high on predicted high Monday of 60 degrees. Wow. Nice. Yeah, I, it's important. I, frankly, I need those little Indian summers later, right around Thanksgiving, when the uh, after Thanksgiving, when the Christmas decorations have to come out and go up outside. That's you know, God always seems to give me a, a, at least one day to get that stuff done before, you know, the freeze sets in. So we'll see what happens. But that's a long ways away, isn't it, Father? That's a long. No, it's not. No, <laughs> it's not at all. You know, I, 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 need to, I need to start looking at turkeys for our uh, pumpkin pie jamboree for the Monday night before Thanksgiving for the students because it will be here whether I want it to or not. You, before, before we started recording, obviously, because you haven't heard this yet, listeners, uh, my father, <laughs> father was, was telling me of, of what's on his plate. You know, what? sometime, Father, what we should do sometime, um, uh, and not necessarily today unless you really feel compelled to, but I think a lot of Catholics, even, you know, the... the, the, the um, the, the solid Catholics who listen to this podcast, um, I think sometimes it's easier for us to wonder, what does a priest do anyway? I mean, you know, I think maybe the more, you know, the, the Catholics who don't think as much about things, well, just priests work on when, weekends, what else do they do? But even for, I mean, myself, frankly, when I started working for, before I started working for the church, I, I, I just didn't know. What does a priest do Monday through Friday? I think sometimes, Father, it might, sometimes it might be good just uh, just to give some our listeners some idea of the the uh, the rigors of the priestly life. Well, I don't know if I go so far as to uh, call them rigors, uh, Doctor Bergwald, but uh, at the same time, uh, raising the question as you do, it would be. Uh, actually incredibly fitting to have a sudden change of topic from our planned topic of discussion for the day and to all of a sudden talk about the life of the priest because in many ways that is in a nutshell the life of the priest is that what you expect when you wake up in the morning is not always what you've experienced by the time you go to bed at night exactly right yeah and so if you if if, if you want to change this canoe uh, midstream i uh i'll flow along with it no, I'm happy. We can do that sometime down the road because uh, you know it, it's bad enough when I just ask you a question that that I didn't warn you about in advance. Let alone, although I understand that you just acknowledged your willingness. I hate to completely change the plan for the podcast midstream. It's it's bad enough when I you know come out of left field with a question, let alone an entirely new topic. So. Ah, but, but, but usually it's only bad because I'm not prepared for the question out of left field, whereas uh, when it comes to the uh, daily uh, ebb and flow of priestly life, I am always prepared to speak. You know what, Father? Actually, all right, since uh, the, the topic we were going to discuss, we can, we can easily put that off. There's nothing uh, compelling in terms of the, the time. Why don't we go... We must the... tease that topic. We must tease that topic. I'm trying to tease it right now by just sort of, what are they talking about? Well, then tease it. Uh, it is actually related to 
this question we're discussing the priests uh, of the life of the priest um and I'll, maybe we'll tease a little bit more as we go but for now let's just leave it at that father oh all right okay so we'll 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 tease again later but uh let's just leave it at that so so let let's sort of go with this and to sort of sort of recap what I was just saying I think what the what maybe the the uh the the faulty perception the misperception people have obviously priests say mass on the weekends and and of course typically hear confessions as well so you work Saturday and Sunday um rumor has it you often take Monday off you the priest uh what are you doing for those other 4 days of the week I mean uh, what and that's putting obviously I'm putting it there sort of uh, in a like. Well, I, I I'm very hopeful that eventually when uh, the ESPN uh, family of networks uh, develops ESPN four, that we'll finally get to uh, telecast the uh, international priest tiddlywink contest. <laughs> because it, everyone knows that Tuesday is tiddlywink day, tiddlywink Tuesday amongst the priesthood. And uh, we gather together in deaneries. That's kind of where the organizational structure of the church comes from, is this desire to organize uh, tiddlywink gatherings. See, this is this, these are the secrets that listeners to this podcast discover. The tiddlywink Tuesday. It's a beautiful thing. Incredible. It's a beautiful thing. Just the arc of never mind. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it is interesting to me because that's uh, one of the questions, common question, what do you do as a priest? Um and uh, maybe I'll speak kind of uh, both in generally uh, and then maybe specifically about my own responsibilities here at the Newman Center. Sure. Uh, well, for one thing as a priest, because uh, you can look at both at a priest and at any uh, minister, any Christian minister, or I suppose any imam or any rabbi, and you could say, well, the imam only works on Friday or the rabbi only works on Saturday, you know, and the minister only works on Sunday, the priest only works on Sunday. But... Uh, one of the things, for us as Catholics, I know maybe more for the Muslims and maybe for the Jewish people as well, and also, of course, for Orthodox and Eastern Catholics, but is uh, the daily devotional life uh, takes up a good portion uh, of a priest's time. So every priest will have uh, you know, daily Mass most every day at his parish schedule. You know, He might not have an official one listed on his day off, but he's probably still praying that daily Mass even on his day off. So, Father, just, just real quick there. My recollection is that you are not canonically obligated. Church law does not require you to say daily mass, but it's certainly a a, a, a wise and holy thing that many and praiseworthy and praiseworthy thing that many priests try to do, even even if perhaps uh, it's a it's a day off or maybe their parish or or their assignment doesn't quote unquote require them to offer a mass. Is that correct? That's correct. That is correct. Okay. So you don't you don't but, need you're not you're not obligated to say mass, but many priests off typically do say daily mass. Why would you not? Okay. Okay. I mean, um, you know, I mean, canonically, uh, a marriage isn't required to be consummated more than once. Right. Right. But it's a beautiful expression of the fullness of the marital covenant. And uh, the uh, beautiful and full expression of my priestly life is found in the sacraments, most especially the Mass. In the Mass, absolutely. So, um, and, and so that's, that is a full part of uh, the priest's life in that way. And then you also have um, so incidental things that will come up, such as uh, funerals or marriages, 
in that way. So they're not, uh, they're usual events, but they're not on a regular schedule. Right. And so it's not out of the ordinary for a priest to do a funeral mass. It would be out of the ordinary for a priest to have a funeral mass every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Right. And so, uh, now, sure. now, 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 talk a little bit about too. It's not just. I mean, obviously, I mean, people who 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 have loved ones have passed away know this or have experienced this. But when when somebody dies, it's not like you just show up x you know two days later and say the funeral mass. I mean, there's there's you you meet with the family. And can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, just taking that particular example um, as Certainly. an instance where it's not just. You know, I think of wedding as marriages as well. You know, you don't just show up Saturday morning, Friday afternoon, whatever it is. There's a lot more into it besides just saying the funeral mass or the the wedding mass. Right. And so your name again was Ayas. Um, I know typically, like uh, in in the normal parish, hopefully, and it's always usually my hope that uh, that the priest is involved with the family and with the deceased before they've uh, passed. Right. Especially through the uh, the last sacraments of the church, the anointing of the sick, uh, the apostolic pardon. You know, if they're conscious, hopefully a final confession is a beautiful and holy thing to do. Um, viaticum, that Eucharist for the way. So to have them embrace the sacraments, have them embrace the prayers of the church, um, the mindfulness of the pastor um, involved with uh, with your death. And so a good thing uh, for you to think about uh, if if you're thinking about your own death uh, during this particular podcast. But uh, uh, a good thing to look forward to uh, and, and to seek out of, of having that. And so usually, hopefully, that involvement with the family in some way before uh, the deceased has passed. And then uh, typically after, um, usually we'll get a call, usually from the funeral home, letting us know that uh, the prisoner did indeed pass away or maybe even a, um, uh, a prisoner that uh, we weren't aware of that was sick. And so we go and visit with the family. And sometimes if it's a sudden death, uh, whether through accident or war or uh, the, the sad case of suicide, I'm going to uh, be with them at the, at the hospital when they first see their beloved. And so I'm ministering that way. I had a really tragic uh, death at my parish uh, a little over uh, two months ago now. And, uh, you know, to be... Uh, it was incredibly sad, but it was an incredible privilege to be with uh, to be with the mother and father when they first uh, saw their child, um, their grown child, and uh, to pray with them and support them and offer them uh, the presence of God and Jesus Christ through my priesthood and through the sacraments. Right. Um, so that's uh, that's all going on in play. And then uh, to kind of them talk about because uh, for for a funeral you need to have readings, you need to have music. Uh, some of those practical considerations in that regard. So some of those plannings as well. You know, we don't uh, worry about all the details like a funeral home would, um, pallbearers, ushers, uh, things like that. Um, right. But uh, and, and for that, I'm incredibly grateful. Uh, and there is a great need of good uh, Catholic Christian uh, men and women to be involved in the funeral business, uh, to be able to guide those couples or those families uh, during their times of grief. Absolutely. Uh, and then usually, there's, so there's usually a wake service uh, the evening before. Um, so that time with families in that regard, and then the funeral itself, uh, and the burial, and, uh, and dinner. You know, I mean, I, I've never tried to quantify uh, the amount of hours spent in an average funeral, but I'm guessing for most priests it would be around uh, five hours. So right. That, so that week, that would be about five hours during the week. Right, and again, as you said initially, when you brought up this example, it's, this is not something you obviously 
typically plan for. I mean, you might have you might have right. a parishioner, you might have a parishioner who's ill, and and you, you know you might know it's looming. You might have something that's more more quick or more sudden. I know just recently there was a um, a, a teenager in one of our parishes in the diocese uh, south of Sioux Falls a bit uh, who who died in a car crash this last weekend. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. that's going to be a um, uh, a, a death that was in no way foreseen, certainly, and and um, you know, you as a priest. And in this particular case, the parish priest is actually out of the country, so another priest in the mm. diocese is is filling in and, and and has to make time in his schedule to go help with another parish completely. So, right. So that, and the, the, just to be clear, when when Doctor Burwald uses a phrase like "make time in his schedule," um, it's never a burden. Uh, for priests anyway to be involved in, in those circumstances, just that it is, just as it is for usually the, the family, it's nothing they planned on. It's exactly. nothing they planned on. And so sometimes there are things that just to be uh, shuffled around. And so if your priest ever calls you, maybe you're supposed to have a meeting with him or a parish counselor or something like that, and your priest says, you know, I, I'm going to be late or I've got to do this because of funeral, uh, do try to be understanding and supportive of uh, your parish priest in that regard. Absolutely. So that's uh, kind of a funeral in that way. Marriage would be a similar thing that there's preparation. Um, you know, and in our diocese, we, we require uh, six months of preparation time uh, during which a lot of different uh, work is done. Uh, you know, typically there's um, going through a pre-marriage inventory, such as a focus, fostering open, uh, open communication, couple communication, understanding, uh, and something else. I was sure stands for in there. Right. But uh, it's usually working with a couple, probably about uh, three hours or so on, three or four hours on that, and then working with them in pre-marriage uh, preparation courses, usually with a larger group of couples. Um, and so uh, there's a fair amount of uh, time spent in that regard. Okay. Those, those are kind of some of those ordinary, uh, unordinary things in that way. Right. Um, and then throughout the rest of a, uh, a parish week, um, you know, the daily mass schedule. But there's also, uh, so for the parish, you know, going to a regular visit for a hospital, if there's a hospital in uh, your parish boundaries, regular visits to nursing homes, uh, regular visits uh, to CCD programs. I'm teaching confirmation tonight uh, for my students up in uh, St. Paul's and White. So uh, things like that uh, certainly, uh, certainly involved in the weekly rhythm of a priest. Uh, and then there's uh, some of those personal enrichment things that a priest needs to be doing, uh, both for his intellectual life, his physical life, and his spiritual life. Right. You know, one of the things, just as, as you're talking, some of the things that you, you know, making the visits to nursing homes, hospitals, and so on, um, one of the things that I've become more and more aware of, particularly working um, uh, in a diocesan office, working in the church, is that... Uh, just the role of the priest as as pastor as minister uh when i when i was studying theology and there was a time um early on in college when i had to the priesthood i, I tended to see the the priest uh, more uh, almost exclusively as um a theologian who dispenses the sacraments mm-hmm. um and and not really aware and just because i wasn't paying attention to what my own priests at the time did but but really just that your presence to your people, um, as you said earlier, you know, just being Christ 
to the people through your priesthood, through the sacraments, and so on. Just the the the, the responsibility that a priest has has to be a minister, um, to be with the people of his parish or or all the people that he might come in contact with. Right. Uh, I was thinking about that even in terms of, uh, and I think we might mention this on another podcast, but kind of the myth of quality time. Yeah. You know, that it's not so much um, the uh, quality time you send people, but the quantity. Right. And so most priests, you know, uh, while, they, while they do have to do some of those personal enrichment things, which we'll talk about in a moment, most of the priests don't try to spend their week holed up inside the rectory, holed up inside the church. Um but usually are trying to go out to, to build some of those connections. Right. I know uh, of a priest in our diocese who, when he was an associate, uh, he speaks Spanish, and so he would go to the places where a lot of the Hispanics worked and do a Bible study during lunch break uh, at, uh, at some of the industries where a lot of Hispanic men worked as, a, as an outreach to their families. Right. Well. And so... Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so some of those enrichment things you were talking about before. Right. Or, well, I mean, for, for myself, on the physical side, uh, I'm definitely trying to exercise. Right. Just because I know I am a healthier man, a happier man, and which means I'm a healthier and happier priest. Right. In that regard, I'm less likely to get sick, less likely for my sicknesses to really run me down if I keep some of that physical health uh, in that regard. Um, a lot of priests, too, also have to cook uh, and clean and take care of their, their church and their rectory. A lot of good um, people volunteer. Some parishes, they can hire staffs to do things, depending on the size and the responsibilities that the priest has. But for a lot of priests, uh, they have to take care of a lot of those uh, physical realities themselves. Uh, the former bishop of our diocese, now the Archbishop of St. Louis, Archbishop Robert Carlson, used to joke that in South Dakota, a man goes from, a priest goes from being an associate, an assistant, uh, when he's newly ordained, where there's a groundskeeper, a housekeeper, and a janitor, and things like that, to being a pastor for the first time. And the first time he's a pastor, he's unclogging the toilet five minutes before Mass. Right, right. <laughs> um, and so now, I mean, mind you, you could also respond that maybe that pastor needs to uh, do a better job of uh, finding someone um in his parish to volunteer. Right. But, yeah. So the, the, those kind of physical realities. And the intellectual side of things. Uh, you know, I, I'm always trying to keep reading up on the world around us. Maybe sometimes too much. But, and also trying to do some solid intellectual, con- we might call it continuing education, to use the, the secular term in that way. Right. To make sure that my mind, my brain, I'm always trying to be formed to think with the church, to love with the church, to act with the church. In this regard, but also to be aware of how people are thinking and acting and loving in the world around me. This morning I had a uh, meeting of uh, campus ministers from other denominations. We try to get together once a month and we're just talking about reality on campus. And one of them uh, brought up uh, how busy the students seem or complain to be. And, uh, you know, and so what are the issues that that sort of busyness and that sort of intensity of time brings up? You know, which and that ties into students that are maybe more willing or more prone to go into false comforts, such as uh, abuse of alcohol or the use of illegal drugs, right. um, and how those problems can be kind of masked by the tranquil appearance and uh, aw shucks um, farm uh, demographics of SDSU, but they're just as prevalent here as they are at you know party you. 
uh, state. Right. So that intellectual formation going on, and then uh, spiritual formation. Uh, for myself, uh, you know, I try to keep the daily holy hour. And so I'm trying to do an hour of prayer in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament each day, whether it's uh, behind brass or behind glass. Uh, so whether it's uh, in the monstrance and the exposition or just in the tabernacle, just try to be with our Lord for an hour each day. Um, in that what do you, regard. What do, you do, what do you do in that hour, the holy hour? Good question. Uh, here, kind of my rhythm of prayer here is that I'm usually uh, praying morning prayer. Because you know, we do it at 7.30 in the morning, and there's some students that uh, come in, and we pray morning prayer from the uh, Liturgy of the Hours together. And then uh, I usually pray my rosary uh, just during that time as well. Uh, and then I'll usually spend some time praying with Scripture and just kind of seeing where that, where that takes me. We're just praying with the day that was. Uh, so being aware of uh, the day that had passed, those ways that had been attentive to God's presence, those ways that maybe I had been um, ignorant to the presence of God, and uh, some repentance for that, and but also just to look for to make sure that He uh, continues to be the Lord of my life. Okay. And so, you know, you, so you mentioned morning prayer from Liturgy of the Hours. Yes. Uh, as as a priest, you do have obligation to say, which hours of Liturgy of the Hours? That's a, that's, that's a good question. The priest uh, receives an, uh, uh, takes on an obligation to pray the prayer of the church called the Liturgy of the Hours, sometimes called the Office, sometimes called the Bereavery. Uh, but the priest had his ordination one of, amongst the vows he makes. He makes vows of celibacy. He makes vows of um, obedience and respect to his bishop and their successors. When he's a deacon, he takes a vow that he will pray uh, liturgy of the hours uh, throughout his priesthood. Typically, uh, what a priest is expected to say is uh, there's five different uh, sections of the liturgy of the hours that the priest is expected to pray each day. Okay. Uh, they are the office of readings, morning prayer, a midday hour of prayer, or midday time of prayer, I should say, not a full hour, but a midday time of prayer, evening prayer, and then night prayer. Okay. And all told, those five sections take up, I'd say, close to an hour of uh, the priest's day, depending on his reverence in uh, praying those, uh, those hours. And, and for those who might be familiar a little bit with the, with, with the hours of, of Liturgy of the Hours, um, there are, there's mid-morning, midday, and mid-afternoon prayer, all of which sort of compromise daytime prayer. You as a priest say... You can choose one of those. You're not obligated to pray all three, correct? Exactly. Whereas someone in a religious order, uh, because of their vows, might be obligated to pray all three of those. Right. And I enjoy it so much that when I go on retreat, actually, I'll pray all three okay. of those uh, midday hours. Midday and also, also, obviously, somewhat unlike um, those in religious life, at least in community, um, there is no precise time. It's it's not. Although maybe there might happen to be. So, for instance, you end up praying morning prayer um, with students. So you're going to do that at a particular time. But 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 there's no obligation on the part of the priest to say morning prayer precisely at seven o'clock a.m., evening at five p.m., etc. It's. I mean, those are there, there's rough times associated with those hours, but nothing um, that's completely formalized. And the priest is encouraged uh, that he should uh, keep the hours uh, close to their uh, respective time. Right. Uh, now, because it's a famous story of Cardinal Richelieu, the f infamous cardinal of uh, Paris, 
Um, was it the 16th century or so that he lived? Uh, 16th century? I, I, somewhere, I, yeah, 16th, I think 16th, maybe 17th, yeah, somewhere in there. Well, supposedly Cardinal Richelieu would uh, pray his office. Uh, he'd start the whole of the office at 11 o'clock p.m., okay, and start with office readings, morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, night prayer, ending at midnight. And at midnight, he'd then begin the hours for the next day. With office readings, morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, night prayer. And, uh, and then he'd have 46 hours until the next time that he would pray his office. Which might fulfill the letter of the law, but certainly not the spirit of the law. Right. Now, uh, as a priest then, uh, as far as my obligation to say them, um, typically we'd only consider that morning prayer and evening prayer would be a serious uh, sin, a mortal sin, if I did not pray them without good cause. Okay. Um, so, I mean, mind you, if I was horribly sick and I didn't pray them, well, that's good cause. You know? uh, uh, or, you know, sometimes I might find where I sit down to pray and, you know, a parish situation comes in, you know, where a uh, tragedy or something happens and all of a sudden the next four hours are gone. And, uh, in situations like that, if I, so at the end of the day, if I have the time and energy to pray evening prayer, you know, I will. But if I don't, I don't necessarily feel scrupulous about it. That you know, I've been aimed towards that, but the life, the pastoral life, kept me from it. Right. And by no fault of my own. Right. And so. Okay. Yeah. So well, I think I think one thing that and, and another thing that, that's occurred to me as you've been talking is to me what what. You know, as you've been going through this and and sort of outlining um, the, the the sort of things that you as a as a priest do, um, it makes clear to me uh, or reinforces what was already clear that the priesthood is in no way a profession. It's not a job. You know that that is like even though I am certainly in, in a sense involved in ministry, and, and while I certainly also do have uh, a, a uh, oh. I work night evenings and weekends and that sort of thing. I it, it's more like a job for me. My 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 ministry, my vocation as as a father, uh, well, a husband first, and 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 a father as well. Um, the priesthood is also a vocation. It's not a job you you punch in and you punch out from. You're. It's not even to say you're always on call. You are always a priest from the moment of your ordination until well forever. Right, to a sacerdos in aeternum. Yes, priest forever. You are, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, without a doubt. In fact, um, I've even talked about with priests, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, mileage. We, you know, we, for our taxes, we keep track of business mileage. Right, right. You know? When am I not going somewhere as a priest? Because I might be going to get my groceries, but, you know, in the grocery <laughs> store, I run into uh, parishioners and other people, and I'm going in my clerics, you know, and I'm going as a priest. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. It, it doesn't fall into a neat social, society, uh, American category. In that right, right. Yeah, so I think, you know, I think that's one thing that, uh, and not necessarily a lot of Catholics explicitly think of it that way, but I do, I do hear, you know, we, in our diocese, we're going through this pastoral planning process, and, you know, I think sometimes some Catholics have expressed that misconception that uh, where, where it seems as, that they're seeing 
the the priesthood as a job, um, just as they might have a job. And so, I, in fact, I know of parishes that asked for uh, the job description for a pastor. Um, right. And certainly there are responsibilities that a pastor has with regard to his parish, but to be a priest is, I mean, there. I suppose you could create some sort of job description, but, but being a priest is first, as is being a Christian for all of us, a, a matter of being about who you are and then flowing from that, what you do, but it begins with who you are in Christ. So it's a matter of identity. Right. Um, as opposed to, uh, um, function function. Right. And I do. And as, as, uh, as we had discussed in you, you had, uh, just alluded to this, I think it would be a good segue to the the topic that we had initially planned to do today uh, that that we'll put off till next week. Um, this idea of the priesthood as a job, um, as a function that can be done. Um, a lot of people wonder, can't it be done by anyone, particularly when there's a shortage of priests? Of course, that leads many people to to ask about the possibility of ordaining women to the priesthood. Uh, right. But we'll say no, as, as that. Go ahead. No, you please go ahead, Father. As that, um, as that answer to what seems like a, a functional shortage. You know, we've got a shortage of police. We need to hire more police. We got a shortage of priests. We'll hire more priests. And if you know, if there's women that are willing to do it, why not hire them? Exactly. And that uh, kind of American pragmatism. Yep, yeah, exactly. It's, it's very much a pragmatic approach. So, uh, but that, that was the topic for today. We're going to make it the topic for next week. And Father and I both have some resources that we can uh, point you towards, as well as our own vast erudition uh, to to share with you, the listener. Uh, but that, that will have to wait till next week, I think, Father, right? Poor, poor listener. <laughs> yes. So... Uh, any any final thoughts, Father, about uh, the life of the priest and the way we've been talking about that you want to share? Uh, if I knew how good the priesthood would be, I wouldn't have walked towards it. I would have ran towards it. Amen. I love it. Amen. Um, well, thank you, Father, for, for actually. You know, I, I think that was. I think it's helpful for people to get an idea of 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 what being a priest entails, just sort of on that day to day, week to week basis. Um, it's certainly not a two-day-a-week job um, in any in any sense. Uh, it's, it's, as again, something that you are, and from that was something that you do. So, uh, thanks for sharing, Father. And yeah, next time let's let's get into this topic that uh, a lot of people have questions about: um, why can't women be ordained as Catholic priests? So. Excellent. With that, uh, thank you once again, dear listener, for putting up with us, and we will talk with you again next week. God bless.